Welcome back to the DCL Duo podcast. Thanks for listening. Sam and I are so excited to have you join us on our Disney adventures. If you like the podcast and want to support us, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. We're available on most major providers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Please also be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help people who might be interested in listening to our podcast find us more easily, and they also help you, our listeners, as we're able to get even more great Disney guests to come on the show. We'll also shamelessly read new reviews on the air at the beginning of each show so you too can be part of the DCL Duo podcast. If you'd like to connect with us and our podcast community, also be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at DCL Duo, or join our Facebook group for the DCL Duo vlog and podcast. Speaking of our vlog, you'll also find video content from us on our YouTube channel at DCL Duo. Again, thanks for listening, and now, on to the show. Hey everybody, before we dive into the episode tonight, I think we've promised a couple of times now that if uh, folks leave us a review, we'll read them live on the air. Well, we have our first two iTunes reviews and we're really excited to read them on the air. So our first review, five-star review, comes from Dr. Charisma, who says, DCL duo, exclamation point, great spontaneity and nice pacing. Lots of information. Your passion for Disney really comes through. Thanks, Dr. Charisma. We are very passionate about Disney and so super excited. Thank you for the review. We got another review by T. Walked. Another five-star review, like an easy listening Disney tune. Brian and Sam have a great insight to Disney and they are so easy to listen to. I love how they love everything about Disney and have experienced so much. I met them on a Southern Caribbean Disney cruise last year and instantly knew they were Disney geeks like my hubby and I. Listening to their podcast is like listening to good friends over a glass of wine discussing our mutual love for Disney. Love the favorites at the end. Maybe do that with everyone you have on your podcast. Certainly something we'll think about doing for sure. And thank you for the wonderful review. Thanks to everyone who's left a review so far. And remember, rate and review the show and leave your review. Uh, leave us a, a review online and we will read it on the air during this segment. Thanks, everybody. And now, really, on to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to the DCL Duo podcast. Uh, tonight is a first for us. We actually have guests. You're not going to just have to listen to Sam and Yay. I ramble on about our experiences at Disney. So I want to welcome to our show what we're calling L.A. Chris, who is one of the co-hosts of the DCL podcast. Uh, welcome, uh, L.A. Chris. Hi, everybody. Nice to be on a different podcast for a change. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we also want to welcome what we're calling Concierge Chris, who has been a guest on both the, a repeat guest on both the DCL podcast, as well as uh, more recently a guest on the Rope Drop Radio podcast. So so welcome, uh, Concierge Chris. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so tonight's episode, we're going to really focus in on um, the VIP tour experience. So Sam and I had a chance when we were down in Disneyland this last time to do our first private VIP tour. Um, we talked a little bit about it on a vlog post that that we did, but we thought it would be uh, fun to just focus in on this topic of VIP tours for one of the podcasts and wanted to bring some guests on. So LA Chris um, actually went on the tour uh, with us. 
Um, and we wanted to get concierge Chris on because he's actually done quite a few tours and was actually messaging with me in the background ahead of our VIP tour to help me get some tips and tricks on how to navigate the, uh, the whole experience. So I thought I would start by kind of framing up what the VIP tours are. And I wanted to go over to concierge Chris to have him explain, you know, what they are and how you book them, those sorts of things. So Chris, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So the VIP tours are booked through Disney through their, what's the, the signature uh, services? Is it signature yeah, services? The, what's the service part called though, darn it? Oh, I just always think of it as, of, as signature services. But yeah, signature yeah. service. So start okay. Yeah. So yeah. the VIP services are um, booked through signature services. And what it is, it gives you a guide for the day. That you pay hourly, it's a minimum of seven hours, and the rates change by what time of the year it is and how busy they are. But what it gives you is it gives you access to all the fast pass lines um, to go to any of the fast pass lines. You're not cutting from the fast pass people, but you just join the fast pass line. So it gives you access to that. And then if it ride doesn't have a fast pass line, they usually have a special entrance like Pirates Caribbean. Um, that has a special interest in some of the other rides too, and they kind of change those up. And also for parades and shows, you get you know special seating. If you want to see the parade, you get a really good spot. I saw where you posted you had an awesome view for the fireworks. Yeah, they'll also help you with you know dining reservations and stuff like that. Yeah, and and um, I'd also say there's some there's kind of different levels of VIP tour two that you can book so before we did this private tour sam and i had actually done one of the kind of more group oriented vip tours chris i don't know if you've experienced any of those uh before like the uh we did an uh was it ultimate evening of thrills at animal kingdom i think it yep. was yeah before this um more of like a you're pre-assigned to a group of 10 they've got like five or six tour guides out at the same time kind of leading groups of 10 around the park and just kind of hitting up you know five or six attractions in a show i don't chris have you done those before no i have not done any of those because disneyland doesn't offer that and i know disney world does but we i've seen them but i've never done one okay and then um i don't know if, i think i don't i think okay. disneyland i think disneyland does offer one called walk in waltz shoes or something like that yeah, um, walk in Walt's footsteps. footsteps that, that'll yeah. include like maybe two or three rides um, on top of more like an informational tour of the park. Ah, uh, that's right. I think the analog to it at Disney World is the Keys to the Kingdom tour, if I understand, if I understood our guide correctly. Um, the other the other level of tour you have that, that that we have or that that Disney World or Disneyland has is the they call the World of Dreams or the Land of Dreams tour. I don't think anyone here has experienced one of those tours, although if you have, why don't you somebody speak up now? But it is the twelve thousand dollar kind of tour level that was started by Disney Signature Services in response, I think, to um, concierge guests making requests that just couldn't be fulfilled through regular channels. So um, it's really a do anything within reason in the park. And I've heard out of reason be defined mostly as you can't operate a ride. You can't play a character <laughs> um, in the park, but $12,000 is a little bit out of our price range. So we're going to stick with the lower end uh, <laughs> side of the tours. Uh, so Chris, you talked about kind of how to book it through signature services. And then you, you started to touch on, I think some of the, you know, there's the on tour benefits, but um, there's also some benefits that just come from engaging VIP services ahead of your trip. Have you used any of those kind of benefits before the, 
you know, you mentioned the booking seating at parades, but uh, I think they will also kind of book dining for you and things like that. Yeah, so they'll book any dining reservations you want. And when we book a, a tour in Disneyland, we tend to start our tour at 10 o'clock, and we usually stay at the Grand in California. And so we'll start our tour at um, Storytellers Cafe like at 10 o'clock. So they'll make that reservation for us and any other you know reservations you want later in the day or even the next day. And I, I just discovered something at Disneyland. They actually, if you have stay at the hotel, or actually if, if you're using the valet parking, they'll pay for the valet parking. I realized that like a couple of days later after I already paid for it. Um, so so the, yeah, I think that's probably the overview of the tours. Um, uh, you know, I think we want to kind of talk a little bit specifically about the tour we did and then, you know, uh, concierge, Chris, have you kind of weigh in on some of our observations with your own thinking? How many, how many VIP tours have you done? Uh, Chris. So I've done six to seven at Disneyland three at Disney World, two at Disneyland Paris, and four at Universal Studios Florida. All right, so you are a wealth, wealth of knowledge. Um, what's, the, what's the size of group you tend to take on the tours? So we're usually a party of five. Um, we usually, we're, my family's party, we're four, and we usually take one of my daughter's friends, but we've had up to 10 before, but usually we're five or seven. And, and do you tend to request the same guide at the various uh, various parks when you go? Yes, I have a guide I request in all three parks. Okay. Um, well, let's so let's let's head over to the day we took our tour really fast. So um, we did our tour, gosh, about a couple weeks ago now, or maybe ten days ago now. Um, it was just four of us: so Sam and myself, uh, Chris and uh, Chris's partner uh, Seth. Um, we all met up at Disneyland, started at 9 a.m., I believe. Um, and we had a tour end of, uh, four o'clock and, a with a 3.30 parade, uh, seating. So effectively our guide sort of left us at 3.30 and, um, we were on our own for the parade. Uh, and then Sam and I actually came back at the end of the night for seating for the, the fireworks. But, you know, sort of quick observation for me, and then I want to get, um, L.A. Chris's thoughts on the tour you know, we had we had a lot for the day. For between nine and four, I think we hit almost every e-ticket ride in the park, um, with about three or four exceptions, and a few of those were closed. Like um, Haunted Mansion was closed for for a refurb, um, and we didn't hit Guardians of the uh, the Galaxy because we hopped back over at one point in the tour to do another ride and and couldn't fit it in. Um, but you know, Chris, what was your sort of reaction? We showed up at nine, we met our guide, um, we you know, met, what each was other. Your, met each <laughs> other, what was, what was your first impression of the tour and not us? Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, I will say that Seth and I, uh, my husband and I are annual pass holders, right? So our view of Disneyland is probably different than some folks in the sense that we live an hour from it. We go at least once a month when we go sometimes it's like let's do a ride <laughs> or like let's go to dinner um and that's very different than people who are traveling from out of town or who are hoping to hit like all of the things and so uh the first the first thing that i would note about this tour is that um we literally did everything that <laughs> that you could want to do between both parks in like six hours so that is kind of and we had lunch and we didn't even speed through lunch. We kind of like took our time. So that whole thing to me is like wild that you could even do all of that. And 
it was not a very uh, empty day. Like there were people in the park and, you know, lots of rides had over hour long waits. Um, but yeah, so I would say first and foremost, it's just a different experience than anything as a local because normally we are not doing every ride. Um, in to the point where I like going into the day, I knew we were going to do a lot of rides. So I took some Dramamine to be like, if I'm going to do back to back to back roller coasters, <laughs> I may need, I may need some motion sickness meds. Um, our tour guide was also super nice. And so for the podcast that I co-host, we had actually met doing an episode for, for that podcast. And on that podcast, we found out that the four of us are going on the same cruise um, in October. So it's kind of exciting that like now we we've like done this VIP tour together. We're going on the same cruise together. So I don't know, you know, the meeting you part was also a joy because because <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> we got we got to make some friends. So I, yeah. I thought the day overall was like uh, a stunner of a day. Really, really awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice of you to say. Yeah, I mean, we're annual pass holders too, and that's a good perspective to put on it. Um, but we're you know, different. But we're different kinds of annual pass holders than LA, Chris. And I say that because we still live out of state. We live in the Seattle area. So although we go uh, more often than the average person goes to Disneyland, we do not go as often as LA Chris does because we don't live an hour away. We live a two and a half hour plane ride away. So we, when we come to the parks, we do try to hit a lot, probably a lot more rides. We do, we probably don't take it as casually as we maybe could um, or should sometimes. Um, but this, I would agree, was kind of a marathon day. It was, it was different than any other day uh, we have done in that we've gone longer on, you know, we've done a longer day at Disneyland or Disney World, but not hit as many rides, even in a longer period of time. The one bummer was that that darn parade broke down right in front of us <laughs> before it finished. And so we well, did not get to watch the full uh, 3.30 parade because we'll we get had there. to run for dinner. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. Let's keep let, let, let's kind of progress through the day a little bit. I'm curious. Sure. I'm curious, um, concierge, Chris, when you use the VIP tours, do you use them to hit like the rides and attractions or are you looking for something else? Because my, my impression is you can kind of use these tours for different things. You know, if you really want to understand lots of history and tidbits or maybe get a behind the scenes look at the park, you can, you know, potentially take kind of a slower pace of attractions and get that um as opposed or to trying to like or see all the shows right and get right. great seats for those shows or something like that yeah yeah we're definitely an attractions family when we do a tour we are this full throttle we don't stop you better hurry up and keep up with us <laughs> um our last tour in october randomly my niece and nephew were there they weren't supposed to be there they ended up coming a day early and so I told my brother, we'll send the kids with us. We'll take the tour. And they're, my, my kids are 18 and 15. My niece and nephew are eight and six. So about three <laughs> hours in the tour, my niece is like, Uncle Chris, can, I'm kind of hungry. Can we stop and get something? I'm like, your mom didn't feed you first? What are you going here? <laughs> so we fed them and then kept going. But we're very speedy paced when we do a tour. All right. Oh, yeah. We have a six-year-old as well. And so um, we have not taken him on a VIP tour. I think it would be really tough for him to keep up at the at least at the pace that we went uh, when we went a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But it, but it is a good point that the tour guide actually pointed out to us that kind of one of the benefits that she can bring is that if it's like a family of like, you know, people who are thrill riders and uh, you know, kids that she's frequently played the role of, you know, hey, I'll entertain the kids for a little bit while you 
you know, go ride this, uh, this thrill ride. And so, you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of thing for family. Cause I think Sam and I struggle. We never get to ride rides together. Um, because one of us is always having to hand off her son, but so that's sort of an interesting kind of side benefit that she was sort of like, you know, oh yeah, it's not uncommon that I'll just sort of, you know, corral the kids and kind of, you know, keep them entertained for a few minutes while the, the adults are kind of going on a ride that the kids can't go on or don't want to go on. Um, I, you know, the only thing to go back to the beginning of the day and first impressions, um, and I've, I've shared this with Sam previously, I think the only, the only negative impression I had at the start of the tour was that I had, I felt like I had traded so much information in advance with the VIP tour services around kind of, Hey, here's what we want to do. Um, here are the, the, the sort of must do rides for us and the ones that are nice to have. And we just want you to kind of build a day that accomplishes as much of this as we can, but it doesn't need to be everything. And, um, you know, the first thing our tour guide sort of said was, so what are we doing today? And I just, it, it threw me off. Um, and I know talking to you, uh, concierge, Chris, I know talking to you that you know, may not have been an unusual question for them to ask, but it did sort of throw me off. It felt like, why did I have this like phone interview with signature services? And then the tour guide didn't seem to have the same, wasn't on the same page uh, of information. I, I don't know. Do you put that kind of level of planning into the, the tours when you go, or do you just kind of go and, and go with the sort of the flow of the day? So the first tour, I think we planned quite a bit more. And now I'm at the point, it's like, just pick it up at Storytellers at 10.30, and then we'll go from there. And so they usually, you know, usually have the same, our guide knows this now, but the first couple of times, you know, I, we had a schedule, and she said, she just wants to confirm, what do you guys, you know, want to do? What are you anticipating? Do you want to, you know, I assume you want to start in this park, but we could go over here and kind of give me some options, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's not unusual. It just sort of threw me through a, through a loop. Um, um, I'll also say that kind of the pre-planning through, I will say the pre-planning through Disney signature services was really nice. I mean, they, we wanted a, a reservation at the chef's table at Napa Rose. They took care of getting that for us. Um, and it was, you know, last minute. Now I will say and acknowledge our circumstance was that we were flying down during a uh, period of time when the grand cow was only 50% uh, capacity um, because of everything kind of going on in the world today. Um, so, you know, I don't know that they, I don't know they pulled strings to get us that reservation so much as they just sort of helped us book it. Um, but I did, I did appreciate kind of that part of it. Um, one thing I thought that was interesting in uh, LA, Chris, I want to get your take on was, um, you know, we rode uh, Soren, and Sam's going to correct me, Soren over California. California. <laughs> <laughs> Not Soren around the world. Uh, Soren over California while we were there. And sh she kind of stopped, and she did this at other points during the day, but she kind of stopped to like take us into that area that's a little bit backstage to kind of show us the ride. And I'm, I was sort of curious, like, what was your reaction to that? Was that something that was interesting to you? Did you find that that added something to the day or, or how did you feel about that? Oh yeah. I mean, if I could have my way, <laughs> I would want like every ride to have a moment where it was like, okay, now here's how it works. And like, here's the backstory and here's the stuff. And this is coming from someone whose first job was to work at Disneyland. Um, I was very close friends with the beast. Um, <laughs> and, uh, even, even now I have like, you know, wow, I want to know how that works. Right. Like when I went on rise of the resistance, I, the thing that bummed me out the most was I could only go on it once that day and I yeah. wanted to go on it again. And that time to look and try to figure out how all of it worked. Right. Yeah. So like, I think like my, my, I, my preference even would be like more of that though. Maybe that's that twelve thousand dollar one, right? <laughs> um, but 
But like the idea that there was even some of that, I thought was pretty cool. Just um, like for Soren over California, they took us into this like back hallway that had basically uh, photos with information that the Imagineers had left behind that sort of like detailed the film locations that they chose and why they chose them and where the hidden Mickeys were on the ride and stuff like that. And all that stuff is just stuff that you wouldn't normally get to see. So I was super into that. And uh, honestly, I probably would have been happy if like half the day was just stuff like that. <laughs> totally agree. I think it would have been really cool if we had been able to get a little bit more backstage access. I think you're right. It's probably not at the level we booked, but that would have been cool. I did think it was really cool how she would help our tour guide Amanda would give us little tidbits of information now to be fair LA Chris knew a lot of them already because having worked at um, Disneyland and being just such a big Disney fan um, you know it but it, it a lot of these facts were new to me and, and I know a lot of them were new to Brian as well and probably new to Seth yeah, totally. Well, because the last thing Seth wants me to do when we go to the park is to be like, you want me to tell you about this thing or that thing? So, <laughs> so Seth was getting his own uh, his own version of a tour that I've like abstained from in our relationship. So I thought it was I thought it was perfect. And honestly, I bet you, you know, if you did it again, you probably could highlight for the tour guide, like, hey, I don't know what times you're allowed to show us more stuff backstage, but if you can, we'd love to see it. Maybe they would be into that. I, I mean, concierge, Chris, you might have had that experience, though. It yeah. sounds like you're like, go on the ride, go on the ride. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, have you ever been taken into any backstage areas on your tours to see anything cool? Um, Disneyland, not as much. Disney World, I've seen a lot of backstage. Um there, the tours are quite different where they pick you up at your hotel in an SUV and say if you're going to Epcot for the day, you park underneath a loop of test track. Oh, if you're cool. going to Animal Kingdom, you park under Dinosaur and you go through their backstage, their, their break room basically, where they're all eating lunch, through some stairs and you pop out into the gift shop. Um, at Disney uh, Magic Kingdom, you park behind Space Mountain, you come out in this little area kind of where um, between Buzz Lightyear and Space Mountain. Uh, Disney uh, Studios, you park behind um, Rock and Roller Coaster, the show building. And so you come out right in between Rock and Roller Coaster and the back of Tower of Terror. And on tours there, we have a really good guide there. And she knows like sometimes we're in a hurry, it's late in the day. And like the kids want to ride um, Tower of Terror one more time. She's like, Okay, let's, let's, cut, let's cut through this way. Don't turn when I took you this way. And we went through, like, the backstage <laughs> part, Tower Terror. People are taking break, looking at us. And we popped out and got right back in the Fast Pass line. So you get to oh, see a lot goodness. more stuff at Disney World, especially Animal Kingdom. You see all the animal corrals. You see the, I call it the fake sunset they have, where they make the sunset for the animals for oh, their wow. nighttime tours. Um, so you get to see a lot of that, that kind of stuff, which is, I love that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to take any pictures. And I've taken a few, and she's like, I know you won't post those. I'm like, no, they're just, just for me personally. So I've gotten quite a few cool pictures. What, what's, oh, the, cool. What, what's the coolest? Is there one that stands out for you that was just really neat to see the backstage area? Um, I think one of the, the first time I remember seeing it, we were pulling in Animal Kingdom, and you could, all of a sudden you could see the back of the raft, the river raft right there, 
where the oil truck is like, or the logging truck's turned over burning. You see the back of that, and it's just like a, a wall. It's like, you know, a fake facade back there. And then you come to Dinosaur, and it's, Dinosaur's like three stories tall. And so you park underneath it and go up all these stairs. Wow. So it's kind of neat. I, and I, Pandora, I, you park right behind where the bathrooms are, and you come out right by the bathrooms in this little pathway, and boom, you're in the in the park. I, I also, think the, I, th- I was going to say, I think the, I think the marathon might run through that area, actually. You mentioned the oil truck, but I think it might run through that area. But sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. It, it probably does. And then so since you have magic bands in Florida, whenever you get out of the car, they'll have someone, a VIP person there, offering you water, snacks, and they'll scan your magic band. But I've also had the guide say, you know, we're going to waste too much time if we go scan your magic band because in, in Epcot, they do it over by Soren. And we usually skip Soren because it's Soren over the world there. I don't need to see it there. And it's like, just don't tell me when we were here today. <laughs> so <laughs> save us time. We'll have to walk all the way to that side of the park. So yeah, I don't I, know if you I, want to touch on it later, but Universal's totally different about their backstage stuff. So well, yeah, go ahead. What's, what's different there? So they actually have things set up to take you into rides. Like the, the mummy ride there, they have an area where you go underneath, and it's chain link fence so you can't get hurt, but you're underneath the ride is just going, ride vehicles are going on top of you, and you get to see the part where the flames are doing the stuff, like right you know, it's above you, like the ride vehicles maybe 15 feet above you, so the other stuff's you know, higher than that. And then they know, you know, we have the same guy there, he knows I like backstage stuff, so he's taking me into like the maintenance building for Spider-Man, and had one of the maintenance guys put a ride vehicle through the test mode. So it did the whole ride at, in front of me doing all the motion stuff. Wow. So they do a lot of cool stuff like there. And then if you're in a hurry there and you have a good guide, you go through so much backstage, just taking shortcuts, cutting through areas. This, and they don't they let the guides do it. And so I've seen the backstage of every area of Universal. At it's, Universal, do they have any rides that are like, so for the VIP tour, it's currently Rise of the Resistance is blocked out. At Universal, like, do you think you could go on Hagrid's coaster or one of the more popular rides on those tours? Yes, we got to go on Hagrid's, and the deal was you got to go on it, and you can go on it again, but they made you walk this loop that was about, probably about a half mile to go get it on it again. It was just (laughs) the way they sent you to get on the ride. You went, you know, if you're familiar with that area of the park, you have the, the castle on the left, Hagrid's on the right. You would keep walking and go behind all that stuff to come to get on the ride. So it was a good little walk. So that's kind of spaced it out. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in that theme, you know, I was kind of disappointed that rides is not you know, included with that because in the summer we got to go on um, Smuggler's Run. And the deal was you went there with your guide. You said you wanted to ride this. They would give her a piece of paper and tell her to come back in an hour. So you can do that as many times as you want to kind of make it fair. And I know in Disney World, when um, Toy Story Land opened up, the deal was you can ride the roller coaster, Slinky Dog, but you couldn't ride it repeatedly. So you had to go ride something else first and come back. Hmm. <laughs> what's what's the, um, I'm curious, it's sort of two questions. One is, um, is there a big cost difference between a VIP tour at Universal Studios as opposed to a VIP tour at uh, Disneyland, Disney World? And then I'm also curious, have you experienced any differences in the VIP tour since you you'd said you'd done them in uh, Paris? Um, was there any difference kind of in the, you know, what the tour was or what it included or the level of service that you've gotten when you did it in Paris? So we'll start with Paris. Paris is um, it's a little bit cheaper than the States. 
It was basically the same kind of tour, fast pass access, or, um, you know, there for their Phantom Manor, you got to go into like a side door, which cut the weight. And then for Crush's Coaster, you went into like this other door, which you had like a 10 minute wait. Um, they were really good about giving you history there, which I was really interested because I've never been to Paris before. But otherwise, the tours are very similar. Um, there, it's only a five hour tour. And they really didn't give you the option of like adding on to it. It's like, Oh, wow. We started a tour and it's like it was like two o'clock or three o'clock. It's like okay, we're done for the day. I'm like okay, I guess we are. But you and got I, to do everything. Was five hours enough to do everything? Yes, especially in those parks because those two parks are so. There's a lot of rides. I mean, but they're very small. Um, the Disneyland park there is probably half the size of Disneyland here, oh. and their studios yeah. park is even smaller than that everything's really close together and so you can get a lot done it's just their main street we were there a day and i finally said to my kids i'm like it's shorter i couldn't figure out what felt you know if everything felt the same but something kept bugging me i realized it was about a third shorter interesting yeah Yeah. so so they just cram a lot more so are do the walkways really feel crowded i know there's to me, there's a big difference between um, Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park, in, particularly in Fantasyland, where the walkways are just so much smaller in Disneyland. And so you feel like it's more crowded than Disney World, even if it really isn't. Um, is that sort of similar in Disneyland Paris? No, because it was built later. So the walkways are wide, but everything's just closer together. It's not mm-hmm. as far as a walk somewhere. Everything's just kind of closer together and the studios park is this it's weird you walk into a like a covered building with stores and stuff and it looks like a, one of those um you know like the studios have one of those studio buildings and you walk out and you're not even quite sure which way to go you gotta try looking at the sides because there's nothing really to see to lead you somewhere oh, i mean yeah you get there you go to the right it's crushes coaster and then just, everything's really close together it's just a different experience you can a lot less steps if you you know have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something. So it was, it was an interesting experience. And their early magic hours, no one uses it. It's very odd. We were in the park about 45 minutes, and my daughter wanted to take a picture in front of the castle. And I'm like looking around, and there's like 15 people total in the whole center of the park. It's oh just my goodness. they don't take wow. advantage of it. We wow. went, so you, we so went in and we rode yeah. we rode Thunder Mountain twice. Space Mountain three times and something else before the park even opened. Wow. That's amazing. Because imagine, I mean, in Magic Kingdom, if you try to get on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, even unless you're running to the line at Rope Drop, you know, 15 minutes later, there's a hour plus line. So that's that's really amazing that you can you can ride all those rides that quickly in the morning. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. So you can get a lot done. Let me circle back. Is, is there a big cost difference for the Universal VIP tours versus the Disney VIP tours? I know there's a big cost difference on the tickets between the two parks. So the VIP tour, I want to say, is between 20 and 25% cheaper, depending on when you book. It's roughly that, but you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow. So breakfast, and so you get there, if your tour's at 9, you get there between 8 and 8.30, and they have... Like, you know, small buffet-style breakfast. Nothing elaborate, but a really nice breakfast. And then for lunch, they have, um, like, another buffet-type lunch. And I'm a fan of Krusty Burgers. And so they'll go get me a Krusty Burger, and they'll bring it over to me while my family's eating everything else. (laughs) And and then dinner is after your tour. 
and you can do it at um, um, Tucson Chocolate Factory. The I can't even think of the name of the fish place that's there, like the San, in the San Francisco part, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and one of the other restaurants. So what happens at the end of the tour, they give you a little ticket to take the dinner with you, and it's actually like, like we were a family of six last time. I think it was like three hors d'oeuvres, six entrees, six like salads or whatever, and like six desserts. It was like way too much food, and that's wow. not part of the part of the deal. So wow. that probably on the on the whole then might make the tour more like fifty percent cheaper. I mean, if you're including, if you think about all the money you would spend throughout the day, particularly Disney World, where the food is expensive, and I know Universal, the food is expensive as well. So if you figure in that cost, it, I mean, it makes a, a bigger difference, I guess. I kind of figured out too some last time. I think it would have cost us close to three hundred dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, so, um, well, let's, okay, let's circle back to our tour, our Disneyland VIP tour for a second. And I thought one of the big benefits that we had was this special seating for both the parade and the fireworks and sort of setting aside that the parade broke down halfway through, uh, you know, Chris, I don't know, what, what were your thoughts about kind of the seating that we had? Um, have you, have you had sort of viewing that well at the, or that good at the park before for the parade? Um, so um setting aside when you were in parades <laughs> <laughs> the view true. from the view from a parade float is slightly <laughs> different but um <clears throat> the the seating that we had for the parade was and first of all this is the newest parade it had opened like a week prior to us going so that was also cool because even seth and i had never even seen that that parade yet um but it's right at the turn on to essentially the hub so where Matterhorn is um and that means you get to see the float like front on and then you get to see it from the side as it drives by so the viewing area is like probably the best possible viewing area and you're not staring into the sun um so it's it's ideal seating in that regard the uh fireworks viewing is also prime viewing though i didn't get to do it only you two did and i would be super curious what you thought because you would have had like perfect viewing of the projection mapping and tinkerbell and the whole thing so i bet you that was like a really special time yes it it was incredible we were seated in the right in the middle of the hub um kind of right just just around the corner from where we were seated for the parade and so we were facing the castle and so we saw all the projection mapping on the castle as well as the amazing fireworks. It was honestly, it was the best seating or the best area of viewing we've ever had for Disneyland or Disney World fireworks. And so it, it was pretty incredible. It was it was a great location. Well, I, I, and not I, to start like a smackdown throwdown of Disney World <laughs> versus Disneyland, but obviously their castle is massive at Disney World. I get that. Right. But at Disney World, Tinkerbell just sort of like flies back behind you. But at Disneyland, Tinkerbell's like going back and forth and doing all the tricks. So yes. I bet you you got to see such a like perfect framed view of everything. Yes, it was great. It was well, exactly as you described. And it was it was just frankly nice to be able to like leave dinner, be leisurely about it, kind of walk through the park. I mean, if you if you had wanted, you could have grabbed coffee or you know, uh, snack or dessert or something, you get a seat, you're not sitting on the, you know, the concrete um, waiting or having to stand, you know, they rope it off so that no one can really 
be in front of you to obstruct the view. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought the prime seating for the parade and the fireworks and 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 at the fireworks, I finally got my like Mickey explosion of fireworks over the castle for once. So um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So I I thought that that was a, a just a huge benefit um, to the tour. Now I think you can get that by the way, or I think we saw people who had that benefit from doing like the walking in waltz footsteps i think they were on the list for vip viewing of the parade and uh the fireworks so you know i think one of the well let me throw this out there i think we've talked a lot of pros about these vip tours and i think there are a lot of pros um sort of wanted to round table a couple of questions and maybe i'll start with the you know does anyone see any sort of drawbacks to them and i'll maybe start with one of the big drawbacks i think is cost like it's a it's a you know it is a balance and i'm not saying that it's a reason not to do it i just think it's a consideration to think through it's got to be affordable for sort of you and your your family uh to make it happen i can see the arguments around affordability being very different if you're talking about a tour of you know six to ten people as opposed to what we did which is you know essentially four people um you know and there are more sort of affordable ways to get some of the benefits of the vip tour uh throughout the day if you wanted to do a walking and waltz footsteps you could get the vip seating i think at the uh the parade and the fireworks but i don't know if you know anyone else had any thoughts around is there have, have there been any drawbacks uh, or do you see any drawbacks to the, the the tours i think there's tons of benefits so don't get me wrong there but anything that sort of stands out to you is at least something people should consider before they dive into this I would say it's, it's it's very expensive, and so that's the biggest drawback. I mean, my kids would love to do one every time we went for the whole every day we're there, but you know it's expensive, so we do it one day. You know, we we live six hours from Disneyland. We get down there twice a year, and we usually do a VIP tour once a year. So just to take advantage of our time there to get as much done as possible, but it's expensive, but it's also fun. But so you got to just weigh that, you know. I'm I'm curious on the cost side. I've Sam and I have talked a couple of times. Like the struggle that we had at Disneyland was that you know with the Max Pass system and as much as we go down there, you can accomplish it feels like a lot at those parks, even without the VIP access. If you sort of go at the right, you know, the right times, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, people have constraints on when they can and can't go to the parks. But you know, being annual pass holders, leveraging that Max Pass system. You know, I don't feel like we ever leave a trip to Disneyland feeling like we didn't do everything that we wanted to do or most of what we wanted to do. But I am curious on the Disney World side, it, feel, it feels like it's really easy to go to Disney World and miss out on a ton of stuff that you wanted to do. If you don't book your fast passes as far enough in advance, your, your trip is short, you know, whatever it is. And you um, have Dis- limitations on the fast passes in Disney World yeah. because you're limited to booking the three and then you can't book another until you've used all three. And so the system there, I think, is um, is harder, sort of to Brian's point, is harder to get in as many of the rides maybe that you want to get in without having this VIP tour guide. Right. But I'm, I'm sort of curious, you know, Chris, have you, when you've done them at Disney World, have you been able to pack in sort of what you feel like is as much stuff uh, as you've been able to do at sort of Disneyland. I think there is something to the size of Disneyland that also lends itself to kind of doing a lot of stuff. But I'm curious, have you been, do you, I mean, are you park hopping through four parks and getting lots of those e-ticket rides done? Or you know, how have you structured your day at Disney World? So at Disney World, we every time we do a tour, we hit all four parks and we hit every major ride. Because one thing when we have a VIP tour 
you know, you used to be at Disney World, just like your animal kingdom, like it's going to take us a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to get to the Magic Kingdom. The VIP, they take all the back roads and cut through. You see like Disney's water reclamation plant. You see their power plant because you're taking these back roads. So Animal Kingdom, the Magic Kingdom is like 15 minutes max. Epcot and Studios is, is five minutes. So you could, you know, park right behind, you know, Rock and Roll Coaster and five minutes you're on the ride. So you, you're able to accomplish a lot there. And the last two tours we've done there had actually lined up with cruises we did for Thanksgiving. So this year we were there the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So it wasn't horrible. The year before we were on the Disney Magic that left out in New York and we were in, we had a park day on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So the tour was, we got everything done on that tour and it was the, one of the busiest days of the year. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That would speak to Sam and I have a trip planned in uh, December with my parents for Christmas. And so I can only imagine what the parks are going to look like. And we've been sort of contemplating, well, maybe we ought to reach out and see about booking a VIP tour so we can actually get some things done, at least for one day that week. Um, um, uh, L.A., Chris, from your side of things, were there any cons to the day? Anything that you sort of looked at and went, I wish that had been done a little differently or any sort of, you know, beside the cost, which we've talked about, like anything that stood out for you? Well, this is definitely a me thing, but (laughs) I like to eat my way through Disneyland. (laughs) And like, I will stop at a churro cart or at a this or that. And actually at one point, our guide like rightfully read our facial expressions and was like, I think we could use a snack. (laughs) Um, And we went and got snacks, but like, it was an interesting, it was interesting to go to Disneyland and not be like, it's time for my morning churro or it's time for some popcorn. Um, and I'm sure you could do that with the tour guide, but it's like, you kind of don't want to do that because you want to like get your time's worth. Right. Right. Um, so to me, I guess a con would be that you feel like time is money in, in that situation. And so you don't necessarily want to waste time doing things that you could just like do after three 30 or like that you could have done before. Um, yeah. Right. Like when you first got there, the first thing you did was wait in the Starbucks line. And like, as soon as the tour was done, I was like, Seth, we're getting a churro. So it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, this is this is how I think it works, though, when you're when you're thinking about it from that perspective. I will also say that, like, Disney World, they really want you to do a full week vacation or longer there. They really want you to go to all the parks more than one day. They really want you to like spread it out and spend the money and take your time. And at Disneyland, they don't really have the same like argument for that, right? Because it's like, uh, you know, a full week vacation with only two parks is probably not going to happen for many people. But I do think that that does mean that you could actually, if you did have three, four, five days to spend at Disneyland, you could see absolutely everything and take your time and do it really leisurely and not need a tour like this though part of me thinks this tour is is worth it just for fireworks viewing and parade viewing because at disneyland people do not mess around with that type of stuff like it is so hard to get good viewing at disneyland if you want to see a parade or the fireworks so like an annual pass holders one thing that nobody really thinks about is that disneyland is 80 percent annual pass holders on any given day and Disney World is 20% annual pass holders on any given day. And so at Disneyland, you have all these people who know the park like the back of their hand, and they want 
what they want and they're really, really, really intense about it. Whereas at Disney World, you can kind of like capitalize on the fact that like some of these people don't know anything about the park. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, oh, I know where to watch this or I know where to go to get the best viewing. And that's not a thing at Disneyland. Like you, unless you're there all the time, everyone else around you knows more about the tips and tricks than you do. And so it becomes really hard without a guide. So I think the pros and cons are, are like weighed in, and it just depends on your circumstance, I guess. That's a yeah. really good point. There's, I mean, we saw people uh, lining up or, or, you know, reserving spots on the ground two hours before the fireworks parade. viewing or the parade. And I the mean, parade, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's swear, kind of insane. I swear I saw people, like, as the parade was finishing up and the second parade is going to be happening, I don't know how many hours in advance, I swear as that parade was finishing up and people were vacating bench seating, like someone would kind of come over and sit down and I'm like, they are going to wait there for like four hours and just have their family the bring them parade. churros and coffee and and just wait for the next parade because that is the that is the seat. It's right there. It's right at the turn, you know, that sort of thing. So, so yeah. Um, I guess one other sort of uh, quick thing we should do is, uh, Concierge Chris, you gave me a lot of sort of helpful tips heading into the tour that I think, you know, for people sort of thinking through doing this, you know, things like, you know, should the tour guide go on the rides with you? You know, what do, what do they do about eating, um, tipping, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know if you would you'd be willing to share any of that on, on here, but I think those kinds of things are really helpful for people to know going in. I know I was frantically searching for some of this online as a, as our tour was approaching. So I thought, thought you had some good advice there. Yeah, so we always invite the guide to ride with us. And most of the time, they'll ride everything except the water rides because they don't want to get wet. And our guide in Disneyland has become like a member of our family. So she, you know, the kids fight over who gets to ride with her because you know, <laughs> she knows the tricks and Toy Story and Buzz Lightyear, you know, to get all the high scores and stuff. So, and we always, always have invited the guys to eat lunch with us. And just until recently, they had to pay for their own lunch. And so I would always oh, buy wow. their lunch. But Disney, I think it was two years ago, started paying for their own lunch. But it actually makes it kind of more, on a busy day, it's like, we'll order our food at quick service or whatever. And then they're on the other side of the counter trying to order theirs. So that it's always easier we order it all together. But, you know, Disney pays for theirs now. Yeah, we did offer to buy lunch for Amanda. And she was very quick to say, oh, no, 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 Disney pays for my food. Disney pays for my food. But, yeah, and we we invited invited her on all the rides. I think because we were a party of four, it was sort of a little bit more like, well, you know, like like the ride vehicle will only hold four, so I'll be waiting over here. Um, and they also use that. I mean, to be fair, I think they use that time sometimes for breaks or to check in or, you know, to use the restroom, that sort of thing. Um, I thought the tipping thing was really interesting, too. They are one of the f sort of cast members who uh, take tips. They, they take a tip. And um, I had read all kinds of advice online about how much to tip. And so, Chris, I don't know if you had thoughts there on, like, the, the sort of tipping protocol for the VIP guides. Well, I know the first time I, before I took a tour, like, I was kind of searching. And it sounds like, you know, they're not supposed to take tips or not supposed to, you know, it's not expected. But I figure you're spending this kind of money and this person, you know, is sometimes holding bags for you, doing, you know, my daughter lost something, they went and got something for her, she needed to charge her battery on her phone, they bring a battery pack out of nowhere. My son got hurt one time, they got a wheelchair for us. So mm. I always, you know, feel that, you know, it's tip, you know, they need, you know, these people, people think those tours are really expensive and they are, but these people are making minimum wage or a few bucks more, they're not making big money. And so sometimes you're, you know, keeping them there late at night or something. So. You know, I'm when I'm in a restaurant, I tip usually 20, 25 percent. Depends how good my service is. 
I'm not tipping quite that high on these tours, but I'll give a couple hundred bucks usually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she, I mean, Amanda, to be perfectly, uh, perfectly honest, she, I mean, she earned her day. I mean, she was, she was walking at a good clip all day. I can't even imagine how exhausted she would be if we had been, you know, we did kind of the minimum amount of time on the tour from nine to four. Um, she can be out there. I think she said for 10 or 12 hours, I think it's 12 hour max. Um, but I mean, I can't even imagine at the clip that we were moving kind of being, out on your feet for that long. We were exhausted at the end of the day and we're, you know, I run half marathons and marathons and, you know, Sam is very active. And so, uh, Chris, you you just trained and ran the Disney half marathons. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, I, I don't know about you, but our legs were tired at the end of the day. Um, it was kind of, um, it was exhausting. Uh, so she earned her pay for the day for sure. Um, Sam, I I thought, Oh, go ahead. I thought it was sorry. I thought it was also interesting that she mentioned, uh, like uh, concierge Chris has mentioned, that she gets requested by uh, customers, uh, repeat clients, and there sometimes she'll have a family that comes in from the UK. I think she said that will come for three days and will hire her for their entire trip from park open to park close. So I can only imagine that you know if they have sort of that back to back days how exhausting that is. And they, they certainly earn their, you know, they, they earn that tip in my opinion uh, with the amount that they do. Didn't, didn't Amanda give you some stat on like how often she has to buy new shoes? She did. And she said it was every six to eight months. Yeah. So lots of walking. I thought, I thought the most interesting thing was she was explaining her. Um, I think, I think Chris, you were the one who pointed out she had like a riding crop on her, her, a her costume, a pin. And um, we were asking her about it and, you know, why she was wearing this riding crop pin. And she said, oh, because we're called land jockeys, because our uniforms are the only ones that are deemed, um, you know, uh, to be able to fit into any land that we walk through. I don't know that argument actually holds up in Galaxy's Edge, but, um, you know, we'll give give it to her. Um, So I just I I just thought that was kind of interesting. She was kind of full of those little tips through uh, throughout the day. So I thought that that was kind of fun. Um, well, any, anybody have any last thoughts on the VIP tours as we kind of wind things down? Any last tidbits or, or reactions to the, the day or the tours overall? So one thing we have done, my kids have um, been older and we've done it. I don't, there's a certain age where they can't be alone with their kids, but we've had like a 10-hour tour. And after seven hours, my wife and I say, we're going to go clean up. We're going to dinner, Steakhouse 55. And the guy will take the kids until like the rest of the night and take them on the rides and stuff. And mm-hmm. That's you know was awesome for us when especially my you know my daughter was maybe 13 and my son was 10 so it's like they weren't old enough for us to let them have a free range but they got to have some independent fun with just with a guide so that was always fun I think 10 might be the minimum age and you know the guides have told me it's like some people are demanding like watch my kids I'm like no I'm not gonna watch your kids <laughs> but if, if they when they're in their family and, they, and the kids you know get receptive to them and stuff then they might offer you know you guys want to ride this you know. I'll watch the kids for you. Or if you guys, you know, want to sit out this one, I'll take the kids for you. Like I never used to go on Tower of Terror in Disneyland because I didn't care for it that much. It's not my favorite ride. So she'd always take the kids two or three times when me and my wife just sat on a bench somewhere. <laughs> so well, what do you think about um, Guardians of the Galaxy? It's my favorite ride. Oh, there uh. you go. And so I, we didn't, I didn't ride Tower of Terror probably for 15 years. I, I don't like the anticipation of the drop. Mm-hmm. Remission breakout, it just it never stops and it's just fun. 
And that's yeah. something that me and my wife commented on. We'd be waiting for the kids and the guy, and every group of people coming off, there'd always be someone crying. I've seen grown <laughs> adults hysterical. <laughs> now in Mission Breakout, everyone's getting off, cheering, laughing, having a great time, and yeah. we'll do it four or five times in a row. Oh, awesome. I think, I think the music helps. Yeah, yes. the music the music makes that ride for sure. Yeah. It does. I also think there's something to not having that whole ride sequence where you kind of like have to you know, the, the cars on Tower of Terror kind of go up and then they have to go out through the kind of ride floor a little bit before they get to the the drop. I think there's something just being like pulled back and the ride starts. Um, that sort of takes, I think, some of that nervous anticipation out of it and turns it into kind of fun energy a little bit. But yeah. So LA, Chris, any, any final thoughts or reactions you had on the VIP tour that you didn't get to? Mm, honestly, I think it's one of those things where it obviously enhances your day it obviously makes it like really cool and really uh you know exciting and if it's something you had an opportunity to do um i would do it again for sure (laughs) i also think like there is something to be said about you know actually i'd be curious chris if you would like to do these at the beginning of your vacation or at the end so generally when we go to Disneyland, we go in the fall and we'll get there on a Thursday night. And so we'll have Friday and Saturday and we'll do the, the tour on Friday and Saturday. Everyone kind of relaxes and wanders around, does the shopping they want to do. Is there something they want to do? Go back and do that more leisurely. That's usually what we do. Okay. Which makes sense. I could, I, you know, because I'm more in the Disney cruise line world. I think there's always this question of like, if you're doing a land and sea tour, should you go on the cruise first or the parks first? And I always am like, do the parks first. Yes. And then go on the cruise because then you can relax Relax. and like recover. But if you're like having this leisurely cruise and then all of a sudden it's like four days in the park running, 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 that's super stressful. So it sounds similar to that where it's like, get this like high octane day of everything in the park done. And then the next day, it's like you can hit up just your favorites or do really slow. Or if you're paying all that money to stay at the Grand Californian, at least you got to use the pool or like yeah. hang out on property for a bit. So like there's there's something to be said about like doing the the second day of your trip or the third day of your trip a lot more leisurely, which makes sense to me. So I was just curious what you all did. So you'll laugh on the cruise line part and in Walt Disney World. We do the cruise first and then we go to Disney World. <laughs> you do. And one of the big reasons is it's easy because we're, you know, in California, it's easier to get an early morning flight home leaving the parks. I can take, there's uh, an eight o'clock flight we've been taking uh, for years that we land in San Francisco before lunchtime. Right. And our last cruise, we, we got up, we did the parks first because we didn't want to be in the parks on Thanksgiving. So it worked out. But we had, like eight hours to kill before our flight. So we ended up going to Disney Springs, had lunch, walked around. It was actually Black Friday, a little chaotic, but yeah. (laughs) My wife would rather do the parks first than the cruise, but I'm like, it's just easier for traveling home, so we do it this way. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Sam has a Sam has a uh, childhood friend who um, been work has worked for Disney, and uh, he told us he's the one who got us hooked on Disney cruises. But he told us always do the parks before 
partly for the reason you said, Chris, but partly because he said there's nothing more frustrating than when you go in to get a snack and you have to pay for and it. After pay been for on the it. cruise, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's like, you're walking around the cruise ship, you just take whatever you want. You walk to Disney World, something's like, this is five dollars. I'm not paying five dollars for this. So anyway. more like ten dollars, but yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's true. It's real hard to get yourself to pay for a Mickey bar. Yeah. <laughs> when you could have gotten that six dollar Mickey bar included yeah. in your cruise fare. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, to go back to your point about snacks, I was actually going to say I think Amanda would have gone and gotten you snacks if you'd asked her. Um, I think probably. She sort of... Oh, probably. But also, it was my first time meeting you in person. I didn't <laughs> want to be the person who was just like, "Hey, I need a snack every hour on the hour." <laughs> <laughs> Sam could Sam could have a Mickey pretzel every 30 minutes, I think. I totally could. <laughs> I mean, when we did go get our snack and we sat under the tree and that salty fake cheese, that was so good. It was the best. It was like a highlight. I mean, there was a lot of highlights, but that was a highlight. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, uh, well, on that note, I think we'll kind of wind things down. Um, so I should say, Sam, did you have any final thoughts on the VIP tour before we wind up? No, actually, I was going to say the same thing that L.A. Chris did about the one of the best moments being when we did get that snack, because it was we had kind of run around so much that pretzel tasted even better than usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll wind things down here and uh, just want to give a big thanks to both Chris's for coming on the uh, coming on the show this evening and talking about uh, VIP tours. I think it's been just super helpful and a lot of fun. So thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks right. for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, um, we will see you next time. Well, there you have it. Lots of uh, great thoughts around VIP tours. Um, I just wanted to thank uh, Chris and Chris one more time for coming on the show this evening. Lots of great tips and um, observations from our recent tour uh, at Disneyland. Also want to thank all of you for listening again this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting all the great content from us each week. Please, uh, if you like the show, also be sure to leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are really helpful in making the show more visible to people who might be uh, searching for us and interested in listening to the show. And they also enable us to get just even more great guests on the show like uh, Chris uh, and Chris. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on this show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Have a great evening.